as are here with us, and it is a cold day, but thankfully the snow seems to have dodged us, depending on whether you like snow or don't like snow. I like one good snow a year, and then I'm ready for the summer. So, uh, so today we are going to talk a little bit about peace, um, and I think it's something, especially in the world we find ourselves in, can be a, a hard thing to find at times, and there is a tension that we've talked about before when it comes to finding peace in a world that seems hopelessly broken. And so some scenarios that maybe some of you guys relate to, um, if you've ever stood at an altar and said, you know, things like, until death do us part, and then someone decided it wasn't going to be until death do us part, right? And something came along that they thought was better or worth chasing after, and your marriage came crashing down. Or maybe like many of you, we've sat in a doctor's office, and the words that were just spoken to us cut to the deepest part of our being, whether it was for us or someone else that we love and know. And so we always find ourselves at times managing the tension of maintaining peace in a world that seems hopelessly broken. For some of us, it gets to the point where we have ideas, what's the point in loving people when we realize that people are going to treat us however they want to treat us? Or what's the point of committing when people don't seem to make those commitments mean anything anymore? What's the point of investing years in a company when the company doesn't seem to want to invest any time and years in you? You give 50 years, they give you a watch, and they send you on your way, and then a week later, someone else is sitting at your desk, right? And so it can be tough to find peace in a world where we're looking for purpose and we're looking for something to hold on to. And sometimes what happens is guys like me get up here and tell you to keep your chin up and to keep everything going well, and, and you just want to say, shut up, right? Like, it's not that easy sometimes, and, and sometimes it's difficult to find peace in our world. And some of us, we've just come out of seasons that were really tough. For some of us, we are going into seasons that are really tough. And for some of us, there's a season coming around the corner um, you don't even realize is coming that's going to be an incredibly tough season for you in your life. And so the idea of finding peace and hope, it sounds nice, but especially when we live in uncertain times and with uncertain things that seem to be creeping into our lives all the time, what do we do with that tension? And how do we find peace in those things? Now, the collection of books and letters and poems that we talk through every single week, the Bible, is a story full of narratives written by men and women who live extraordinarily uncertain lives. We often think about the Bible when we read it on this side, and we think about how we kind of know how things end, as we talked about in our last series, The In-Between. But the stories of the men and women that we read in the Bible, they didn't know in the moments what was going to happen. In fact, what we often realize is we find out that these people, they're facing extreme uncertainty. They're, they're facing all kinds of things in their life that they're not sure what to do with. In fact, your favorite passage of scripture, your favorite psalm, perhaps your favorite Proverbs is written and reflected on lives of people who lived in extraordinarily uncertain times. This is not a book of stories where everything works out exactly the way that they always wanted and the way that people had hoped and in the time frame that they wanted. Those type of wrinkle-free lives, they're not there. This isn't the stories that we see about everybody lives happily ever after and there was no divorce in the land and no heartache and at the end of the day, everybody gets a puppy. It doesn't exist. Almost every single narrative, everything we draw hope from and security from, all of those things are people that live in uncertain times and they don't know how things are going to play out. Does that help? Okay, all right. 
They told me to put this thing on because of my beard, and it just wasn't working, was it? All right. All right. You guys want to start over? No, we're good. Okay. All right. So the midst of uncertainty, when it seems like God was absent, they discovered that God was still trustworthy. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Philippians. Philippians was a letter that was written to a local church, and you may or may not know this, but it was written by the apostle Paul. And Paul is a man that when we read his life and we understand what's going on, it makes these verses that we're going to see today more believable. Because if I were going to give you simply the advice that we're going to talk about today, you wouldn't take any notes, you wouldn't write anything down, you would just think, this guy doesn't know what I'm going through, he doesn't understand the world that we live in, he doesn't understand the lives that we lived, he just hasn't experienced enough. Because sometimes what we see is we take these Bible verses and we don't think about the people that wrote them and everything that they've been through. But Paul, what we see is this, this man who halfway through his life, he has to abandon almost everything that he believed. His whole life changes. Relationships that he once had are now fractured. Many people don't want anything to do with him anymore. And he has a whole new group of people that he's now in relationship that don't trust him. At some point, he has to make peace for his past, which includes the past that includes splitting up families and villages. He changed the lives of people. We think of all the good things that he did, but at the beginning of his life, he did a lot of bad things. He hurt a lot of people. And then he's called to go to foreign places to start new works, start churches in hostile environments. And one of those places that he starts a church is a church called, and it's called Philippi. And so when he goes out and he starts these churches, he goes around in this region and he's going to all these different people. And, and the thing is, is he's going to these hostile environments. And it's not like hostile, like we don't want to hear about Jesus. It's like, you need to leave or we're going to kill you. And yet Paul continues to go into these places. And eventually Paul feels this call to go back to Jerusalem, but he's warned that if he goes back to Jerusalem, things are not going to go well for him. But because he feels God has called him to this, eventually he ends up going back to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, there's this conflict that takes place, and eventually they arrest him. Now, I don't know how your life has gone, but if part of your story is, and then I ended up in prison, it probably didn't go very well, right? And Paul's not only going to end up in prison one time, he's going to end up arrested and in prison multiple times. And one time when he's in prison, they put him on a ship because they're going to send him to Rome to stand trial. And while he's on that ship, a storm comes in in the Mediterranean Sea. And for two weeks, the ship is lost. Now, if you've ever studied much about that world, the ships that they lived in, it wasn't like the luxury cruise ships that we may cruise around in today. This is an incredibly violent and hostile kind of environment. And here is Paul chained to the bottom of a ship for two weeks. And eventually the ship gets, it gets wrecked and it crashes ashore and they're shipwrecked on this island with the men that want to imprison him for three whole months. After his, they eventually the shipwreck, they find out where they are, they take him on to Rome. And when he gets to Rome, he's imprisoned in a home for almost three years. But while he's in prison, Paul doesn't want to waste this time. In fact, what we see is that Paul begins to write letters of encouragement to other Christians. One of those letters that he writes is to a church in Philippi called the Book of Philippians. So imagine this. He, he's in prison and he's writing a letter to encourage other people. 
what we see in Paul's life is this man who faces all of these uncertainties, faces all of these trials, all of these things that none of us would sign up for. I mean, there's one part in Paul's story where he's stoned and not the fun kind. It's the kind where they take you and they throw rocks at you. And in this story, they literally take him to the edge of a cliff and they throw rocks off of the cliff to try to kill him. And they think he's dead, but he's not. And eventually, after some time, some of his friends go out and they find him and they bring him out of the field. He was whipped. He was arrested. He was shipwrecked. He got bit by a snake, which sounds terrible. And eventually, he's in Rome waiting. And for three years, he waits. And then one day, they go and they get Paul. And they take Paul for a walk. And on this walk, it ends in a certain place where they take Paul and they put him over a stump and they behead him. Paul is a man who faced extreme adversity. What's interesting about Paul is that Paul's life actually got tougher after he became a Christian. We often think that once we become a Christian, that all of the things are going to be paved for us. But Paul's life is a life of someone who finds discontentment. And if anybody could find discontentment in his circumstances, it would be Paul. If anybody could find this tension that we find in finding peace in this world and in the circumstances they face, it would be Paul. Which is why it's so interesting what Paul, while in prison, writes this church at that time, but still transitions to us today. And so in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Now, is that really helpful advice, right? Especially for you guys in this room that are warriors, right? Is that helpful for somebody to say, don't be anxious about it, don't worry about it? I know some of you, and what happens is some of you, they'd say, don't worry about it, and you'd be like, oh, I've never thought of that before. Such helpful advice you just gave me. Just don't worry about it. Of course, that makes sense. Thank you so much. No, it's not helpful, and the reason it's not helpful, and the reason that we have a hard time with that is because for us, it's to say, don't worry about it. Well, if you knew what was going on in my life, if you knew what I've experienced in the past, if you knew the things that I know, you would be just as worried as I am. But Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation. So what situation is he talking about? Your marriage situation, your job situation, your school situation, your money situation, your friendship situation, your health situation. In every situation, what we do is by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So... The first advice that Paul gives us when we're going through uncertain times is to don't worry about it. Well, that was real helpful, Paul. Thanks. The second thing he says is to pray. Now, for some of us, we're like, well, that's really good advice. But for a lot of us, we're saying, pray? What do you think I've been doing, right? What do you think that I've been doing with this situation? I've prayed more in the past three months than I've prayed in my entire life to just pray about it. But when Paul uses the language here, it's interesting. The word that he uses when he says, make your request known to God, is an interesting Greek word. The word is the same word that it would use if you were exposing something, that if you were uncovering something. 
to, to make something known to everyone around you. So, so the idea is pray with petition is to make known what is really going on. What's the thing behind the thing? Why are you praying for this, right? So we have someone that's sick. Well, we pray, well, God, can you heal this person? Well, okay, but why do you want that person healed? And the reason you want that healed is because, to be honest with you, I don't know what I'm going to do if this person doesn't make it. God, I, I want this person to be healed because I don't know what I'll do. And to be honest with you, I feel like my life will fall apart. And so it's this idea of don't just tell God what you want. That's a good place to start. But to reveal to God, to expose to God what's really going on. What's the thing behind the thing? Here's what I want, and here's why I want it. And here is what I fear. And here's what I fear is going to happen if you don't do this. And to be honest, I'm not sure how I'm going to handle all of this. And so when we reveal this to God, we talk about what's really going on. We don't just say what we want, we say why we want it. And maybe for some of us, what it is is having this honest moment when we, for the first time maybe, are honest with ourselves and God, and we talk about the thing that's really robbing our peace. And we come fully before God, and we expose the thing that's really going on. And, and so we go, and, and, and the first thing that we need to do is not worry about it. And if we are worried about it, then we need to go and we need to pray about it. And then he says this, if you do this, and again, you got to understand where Paul's coming from. If you do this, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, verse 7, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. The peace that transcends all understanding. The peace, not of the circumstances. See, it's easy to have peace when everything's going well, right? It's easy to have peace when everything's working out the way it's supposed to work out. We've all had those moments, right? It's easy to have peace. But what about when it doesn't? What about when you've prayed and you've prayed and the test results still came back no good? What about when you've prayed and you prayed and they still died? What about when you've prayed and you've prayed and they still didn't change? What about when they prayed and they prayed and they didn't come back? See, this is not an everything went well, things didn't go as planned. The peace of God is something that's hard to explain unless you've experienced it. It's this peace that transcends the circumstances. It's this peace that some of us could tell you about where someone asks, are you okay? And our response is, yeah, I think everything's going to be okay. It's this peace that everything is right even when the world isn't. And so Paul tells us that this peace of God can come into our life. A peace that transcends understanding. A few verses later, one of the most famous verses, and we often take it out of context, we think it's about Tim Tebow throwing a touchdown pass, but, but here's what he says. He says, he says, and this is the context of what Paul's saying. He says this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. See, we all like the idea of being in plenty, but we don't like the idea of being in need. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, 
well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in what. So what he's saying is basically no matter what is going on, it's this ability to be content, to be okay, and to be at peace. See, what we have to understand is that God didn't promise that he'll always heal us. God didn't promise that he would always give us everything that we want. God didn't promise us that it wouldn't be hard. But he did promise us that he will always be with us. He did promise us that he will never leave us or forsake of this. And because of that, Paul is able to say what he has to say. Because Paul's understanding is in spite of the circumstances that none of us would sign up for, the circumstances that he lived out, here's what he says. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And so here's the question. What is your all this? What is the thing that's robbing you of your peace? What is the thing that when you think about it is the thing that you just don't know how it's going to play out? What is the thing that causes you to worry? What is the thing that you need to be praying about? What is the thing that you need to expose before God? And Paul's belief is that when you get to that place, that peace of God comes into your life and you can do all of those things through him. Years ago, I was going through a really tough patch, and I, I, I see a counselor, and, and I always tell you guys, you see counselors, and there's nothing wrong with seeing a counselor. Um, the people that don't see a counselor are the messed up people. So uh, I see a counselor. I've been seeing one for years, um, and I was, I was talking to my counselor at the time, and I was telling him this stuff going on, and I was like, but I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me that I can do all of this with him, and he stopped me, and he says, you know, Jeremy, he says, that's not what the Bible says. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, it's not that you can do all this with him. It's easy to do it with him. You just do stuff and you say, and Jesus is with me. It's much harder to do it through him. To acknowledge that you may not be able to get through this without the peace that only he can give. The peace that transcends the understanding. And so for maybe for some of you, it's that realization you can't do this on your own. And you can't just do it with him. You're only going to be able to get through it through him. Now, some practical stuff I've learned to understand this peace of God because it seems so foreign to so many of us. But, but here's what you need to know about life. There isn't a person in this room right now, and I've said this before, that couldn't get a phone call right now that would rock their world and turn it upside down. I've gotten those calls before. And here's the thing. Those aren't my last ones. I'll get more of them. And here's what I've learned, I think what Paul is tapping into with this idea of someone that lives this life, and yet he comes back with this advice that he gives us that seems so impractical. It's this understanding of this peace of God in our life and what it can do. So here's the first thing you need to know. When it comes to the hard things that we face in life and it comes to understanding peace of God, the first thing you need to know is that our hearts will always heal. They may never be the same, but they will heal. And it may not feel like it in the moment. And to be honest with you, it may not feel like it for the first five years, 10 years, 
but eventually they will heal. And there's many more people that could go up here and tell stories better than I can about moments and seasons of life that they never thought that their hearts would be put back together. But they were. So the first thing we need to know is that eventually our hearts will heal in this peace that God gives us. The second thing I need is I need for everybody to take a deep breath on the count of three. One, two, three. That's life. Did you know about 80 to 90% of the energy that you need to live comes from your breath? That breath you just took, it's life, but it's also a gift. And as long as you still have breath in your lungs, there's still life to live. There's still hope. And there's a lot that is wrong and hard in this world, but there's also beauty and wonder and love and goodness. And so as long as we have breath, we have a choice. As long as we have breath, we have life. And the last thing I think that's really important for us to understand when it comes to facing these hard things that Paul understood. See, Paul writes these letters, but what we often see about these letters is that oftentimes at the beginning of the letters and at the end of the letters, Paul will go on, including the letter in Philippians, as he's in prison, mind you, so things aren't going that great, he thanks a lot of people. He thanks a lot of people that have been there supporting him and loving him and walking through it with him. See, the promise is not only will Jesus never leave us or forsake us, but the hope of the good news of the gospel that becomes the church is that we don't have to do this by ourselves. That we're supposed to have other people who are to love you and support you. Paul realizes that he's not alone, and the thing that you need to realize is that you're not alone. I want to do a little exercise, and I know that most of you don't want to do this, but I don't have to tell my story about that one time, but, but here's the thing. Um, you're going to do this, okay? And so here's the exercise, all right? If you or someone you know and love has suffered from depression or anxiety, will you just raise your hand? That's it, Okay? All right. If you or, you or someone you know and love has been affected by cancer, yeah, it's pretty much everybody. If you or someone you know and love has felt the pressure of financial stress, yeah. If you don't have your hand up, if you just raise it up now with a blank check, that would be really helpful for the rest of us. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, I only have to mention three words, and almost every single person in this room is affected by it. Three simple things. In a room full of strangers, to some degree, there's a solidarity, not because of the good things, but because of the hard things, right? I mean, so if I instead of saying, if you know someone that's been affected by cancer, if I'd said, will you raise your hand if you know someone that drives a truck, right? It wouldn't have the same effect, would it? How about this? Show me two dads from opposite ends of the political spectrum with vastly different views about almost everything that you can think of. And you take those same two dads and they have a son or a daughter with a debilitating disease and there's a bond there that transcends all of the other stuff. Or show me two moms that come from different parts of town and different social and economic backgrounds but they both have kids who are fighting addiction. 
and all of their differences go away. Paul tells us that when we face these things, we should pray. The Bible also tells us that we're supposed to pray for each other. And so I'm going to do something that's going to make some of you super uncomfortable, and that's okay. Um, But if you in your heart and your mind are facing uncertainty or wrestling through some things, and you have some pain or something unsettling in your heart, I want to know if we can pray for you. And here's what we're going to do. Here in a second, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand if you need some prayer, and then we're going to pray. And I want the people around you, if your hand is not raised, to be praying for you. And you may say, well, I don't know their name. That's okay. God knows. And you may say, well, I don't know how to pray. I'm telling you, sometimes the best prayers are, God, please just help. And so if you're somebody in this room, and this is incredibly uncomfortable for me to ask, I get it, and for you to do, but if you need some prayer right now, would you just raise your hand? Yeah. So we're just going to pray, and if you see somebody with the hand up, just pray for them. If you don't know your name, just say, the lady here in the striped shirt, that'll work. God gets it, okay? And so let's pray. Father, I don't know what all of us are carrying in this room, but I know that there's a lot of heartache in life. And there's a lot of things that want to rob us of our strength and our joy and our peace. And so, God, I just pray that when we mention words like cancer, we mention words like anxiety, whether we want to raise our hands or not, it affects us all. And, God, some of us, we're carrying stuff in our hearts that we were not meant to carry, and we weren't meant to carry those things alone. And so, God, sometimes our words fail us. But all I pray right now is that you bring peace into this room. You bring peace into the hearts of the people sitting around us. And even if we were scared to raise our hands, you bring peace into our hearts. You give us the wisdom we need to make decisions for the hard things that we are carrying right now. And you give us the strength to do that. And God, for the people sitting around us who didn't raise their hand for whatever reason... May you give us the strength to support and love those in our lives and the people sitting around us who need that strength. So God, you promise us that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And we claim that truth right now in our hearts and our minds. In your son's name we pray, amen. The Bible tells us that we're to carry each other's burdens. We all need that. We all need people that will love and walk beside us, that will be the hands and feet of Jesus for us. Did you know a lot of times we pray for people to get the healing that they need, and the reality is is that you may actually be the answer to someone's prayer. Your willingness to love, to support them in those tough things. We will all face discontentment. We'll all face tough circumstances. When pain enters our lives, what happens is the blinders go up. And our world shrinks down to the size of that problem and that issue. And so my hope for us in this room is that we won't allow ourselves to stay in that place. I hope my hope for you guys is that you will find the peace of God in your life. And that may be through a prayer. It may be through a song a sermon, whatever it is, but you find that still, quiet voice of God telling you that it's going to be okay and that he's not going to leave you 
and he's not going to forsake you. And that you'll find peace. One of my favorite quotes comes from a book I read years ago, and here's what it says. The peace we are offered is not a peace that is not free of tragedy, illness, bankruptcy, divorce, depression, or heartache. It is a peace rooted in the trust that the life Jesus gives is deeper, wider, stronger, and more enduring than whatever our current circumstances are. Because we all see, because all we see is not all there is. And the last word about us and our struggle has not yet been spoken. And my hope is that you find peace in that. Let's pray.